Hey, listeners, this is Sam. You are not listening to an episode of Pot on Your Loons right now. Today, we are donating our feed to our good friend Nate, his co host Joe. The American Podligans is the name of their show. They are a podcast dedicated to the U.S. men's national team. As you know, there are no Loons games this week, still the offseason. Pod on your Loons not recording an episode this week. So we thought it would be a good time to showcase our friends, the American Podligans, give you, um, it's not even a preview, it's their actual entire episode. We wanted to showcase it on our feed to give them some more listeners. If you like what you hear, follow them on Twitter. I'll make sure to put their Twitter handle in the show notes and find, find their actual feed, okay? Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, find their actual feed as a podcaster it gives us a lot of motivation to know that people are actually listening. There is a lot of work that goes into these things, and we tend to we we tend to lose motivation if we're not seeing that people are out there. So if you like what you hear, please, please, please give them that follow, give them that subscription. They're good guys, good people, and they know what they're talking about. I like their show. I'm an actual listener of their show, not just their friend doing them a favor. All right, that's enough of me. Here are the Podligans. Welcome back to another episode of American Podligans, on for U.S. soccer fans by a couple of U.S. soccer fans. I'm Nate. He's Joe. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, Merry uh... Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Early November. We had all those. We saw each other. Yeah. Wow. So Time flies when you're having fun. A couple of COVID cases. You your house. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the games let's, here. I'm pumped. I'm ready. I'm ready for some U.S. soccer. All right. So let's revisit the table because it's been a while. But, you know, if you're listening, I'm sure you know all this. Uh, so Canada at the top of the oct with 16 points. USA right behind them with 15. Mexico and Panama tied for third with 14. And what is quickly turning into a four-horse race for those three guaranteed spots for the World Cup Finals in Qatar. You've got Costa Rica with nine, Jamaica with seven, El Salvador six, and then Honduras with three. So lots at stake in round four of matches we got three fixtures coming up uh we'll talk about each of those individual games a little bit later on in the podcast but let's just start with the roster um some surprises additions a lot of mls guys they had a january camp with 20 guys in number of the guys that made the final roster were there some familiar faces back in the lineup, some familiar faces that aren't there. Uh, Joe, what are your, what are your takeaways from this roster? Well, I, um, we began this podcast first episode, a couple episodes ago, talking about key players, players that needed to be on the team, guys. We thought the U S couldn't be without. And, um, John Brooks was that guy. John Brooks is nowhere to be found. He isn't sniffing the U.S. soccer team right now. Um, falling on hard times. I think that's still a fairly big omission for me. I'm starting to be more comfortable with what's there and who we have there. A little surprised Tim Ream didn't come in. 
this camp. Um, he's been getting a lot of time and playing well. Um, the additions, glad to see Jordan Morris back. Guy brings life. Guy, guy brings energy. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how how good he's going to be in the final third. I feel like when you're off for a lot of time, you lose that that ability, that sense, that knack of scoring. So I'm hoping that um, he comes back ready to go. With MLS off right now, I'm interested to see how in shape these guys are and what how how good their game is right now. Um, maybe I think that's one of the biggest surprises is there are quite a few MLS guys and and they're out of season right now. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the Brooks omission is the thing that glares the most, given where we thought we were going to be at the beginning of the of this octagonal of the qualifying. But I think that the way that Miles Robinson and Walter Zimmerman have been playing, they have shown that they're right now the two guys that Greg Berhalter can trust. And, you know, as we talked before we started, you know, he's all about guys that he trusts. Um, yep. See, Giassi's they're artists, playing well, right? And so, and you know, fine, fine, bring him in. I think that you know the fact that they both were in this January camp, you know, alleviates some of the fact that they haven't been playing competitive games in a little while. Um, but I think that that's something to watch moving forward. Um, there's, you know, as we look at the roster, you've got Mark McKenzie in the middle, you've got Chris Richards in the middle. Do these? Do they seem some game time? Uh, since they're, you know, in season right now. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, Berhalter is signaling right now he's going to go with Miles Robinson and Walter Zimmerman in the back. <clears throat> and then up front, you know, you got to you gotta love Jordan Morris coming back. Um, you know, the fact that we're getting some consistency with some of the other selections. Um, Brendan Arison... Peppy up top, Tim Weah, um, all on the roster uh, as forwards. Zardis, then, Zardis found a spot. Your favorite guy. My favorite guy. Uh, Zardis. Will be interesting to see, too, whether uh, Jesus Ferreira or Zardis get um, the backup minutes to Ricardo Pepe. You know, and then I think um, the other guy I'm excited to see is Luca De La Torre with Heracles. Um, he's been a guy who... You know, there was a lot of rumor about whether he would get called in or not. Um, it seems as though he's come in at the expense of Gianluca Busio. I thought Busio did a fine job in the last set of qualifiers. So, you know, clearly it's either we've got to have some level of MLS players or Berhalter just trusts these this group of MLS guys. But, you know, I also think that uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, that the fact that you're basically playing three winter fixtures uh, is going to play a factor in the type of lineups that get put out because you're certainly not going to have this high octane attack. You're not going to be pressing a ton uh, given the way that these games are going to go. If I had to take a guess, given the way that these, these games are going to play out um, just given where they are and the fact that we're in the middle of winter in all three of these places. So we had talked about, you know, kind of filling time between the last set of fixtures and these fixtures with doing a uh, with doing a pod on Americans abroad. 
And we didn't do that, which is fine. Life gets busy. Uh, but I want us to just take a minute and we're going to play this as a kind of a pardon the interruption, like buy or sell sort of deal. So I've got four scenarios and I want you to tell me who you think has the more favorable situation right now. First one I'm going to throw out there is uh, who has a more favorable situation, uh, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea or Weston McKinney at Juve? Based on consistent playing time, it's McKinney. Juventus is a very solid team. Chelsea's a top, arguably, arguably top three team in the world. Um, I love seeing Pulisic get on the field with them. Uh, I just wish he would get a little more consistent playing time. If I had to choose, it's McKinney right now. Yeah, I would agree. I think that my rationale for McKinney being in a more favorable situation is Christian Pulisic is not going to do anything short of get injured that's going to change his standing within the national team. And Weston McKinney is going to just continue to have his stock rise. And the fact that he's playing every week and he's scoring and he's in this great form, I think really helps his stock, especially given some of the hiccups, call them, that we saw early on in this qualifying set. I think, you know, he's just solidified the fact that along with Tyler Adams, he needs to start as many games as possible for this group. All right, second set uh, is one guy who's not in uh, the roster, but we've seen him uh, in the national team in 2021 a fair amount. And then another guy who more recently debuted and uh, kind of made a big note for himself. So the first is Daryl DK, who recently uh, signed a permanent transfer to West Brom. He had bounced kind of back and forth between Orlando, spent some time in the championship last year, then came back to Orlando. So he's now a permanent signing at West Brom, who's currently a championship side. And then Ricardo Pepe, who just completed a apparently up to $20 million transfer to Augsburg in Germany. Who do you have, who do you have as a more favorable situation there? I think the favorable situation is DK because he has been over before. He's been there before. The pressure's on Pepe right now. And this is – I like to compare. I like to compare sports. I'm a big sports guy, all sports. This is like a, a home run hitter in double-A baseball getting promoted to play major league baseball and being expected to hit the same amount of home runs. Um, it's a different different style. Um, go from MLS to the Bundesliga – you know, he's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to adjust quickly because there's, like I said, there's pressure on him. The they, U.S. wants to see him score. Augsburg wants to see him play well. A lot of lot of money being shot out there. And if he doesn't produce, is he going to lose confidence? Because that's one thing Pepe had going big time. He was scoring goals like crazy. It didn't matter where. I don't know how much. He hasn't gotten a lot of playing time yet at Augsburg. He's gotten a little bit, I believe. I don't, I don't think he's had a whole lot of great opportunity there yet. So... I like DK because he's been there. Um, Pepe's got the pressure. Yeah, I go DK. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. I originally had this as Pepe matched with Serginho Dest, who's going to be next up, and I decided to switch them around because I just don't think it's fair. Um, but I and I like the fact that 
DK and Pepe both play the striker position. I think that DK is also in the more favorable situation right now. And I think that it's a pressure. The factor is the pressure. Pepe's Augsburg team is in right in a relegation battle right now. Whereas West Brom in the championship, DK's got experience taking Barnsley nearly uh, back up to the Prem last year, right? So he's been a difference maker in the championship level. I think there's a little less pressure in that he's not in a top flight league. I think he goes and makes a big splash. I think in a year that can get him into the conversation, even if he doesn't feature a ton in this, the rest of qualifying, I would, I would not be surprised to see him assuming we qualify, uh, get himself uh, a place, a ticket on the plane going to Qatar. Um, And that's not to say that I think that he takes Pepe's spot. I think that there's multiple spots available, uh, but I definitely think he's in a better place. And I think a lot of it rides on, does Pepe come in and get a bunch of time? If he can get time and Augsburg stay up, obviously that's a better fit. But I think right now there's a little bit more pre- or there's a little bit more pressure on Pepe given the situation. There's more nuance to his situation than there is with Derek DK, who can come in and kind of um, acclimate more quickly and and jump in. Given that there's not as the stakes aren't as high. All right, number three, Serginho Dest, out of form, out of favor with Xavi at Barcelona. And then Wonderboy Josh Sargent scoring two golassos over the weekend for Norwich, who's got a more favorable situation right now. I mean, Barcelona used to be Barcelona. I mean, this should have been Dest. It's closer than it needs to, it should be. It's closer than it should be. Um, Sargent scored two goals. He scored a brace against the third worst defense in the Premier League in Watford. Yes, one was cool. Another one was a good header. I, st- I have to say Dest. I mean, Norwich in a relegation battle. Barcelona still Barcelona. Dest just needs to find some confidence. Dest needs to find some confidence. For Sargent to find his way back to the uh, U.S. squad, he's got to keep scoring for Norwich. And, you know, being in a relegation battle there and the pressure of that, that, that might help him. But Dest is top five player for us at Barcelona. I mean, this argument shouldn't be that close, but it's, it's Dest, but it's, it's narrow. I just think Dest's stock is high enough where he can, his stock is high enough on an international level, I think, where he can force a move in the summer if he's not going to play. And he's certainly not, again, without injury, he's not going to play himself off the roster, right? Like the only way he doesn't make the roster at this point is if he's hurt. I think he's a lock. So I think he's more comfortable, but I like, I I mean, on form, obviously Sargent also not in the squad, right? But he scores a couple goals. I think if he can find some form, this can be a springboard for him. I would love to have a peppy... DK Sargent front three going to Qatar. That's especially Sargent in form the way 
you know, he showed against Watford and granted you're right. Watford is not a good defensive team, but the confidence with which he attacked both of those balls is what you want to see from a center forward. We've seen what he can do pressing. We can see what we can do if he's put in the right place. You know, he's been playing as a winger for Norwich the same way he was under Burhalter, which is just silly. So can he get some time at the nine and produce and show that he is worthy of a look? Um, you know, and, and at that point, then you have basically three very different options, which I think is beneficial uh, given different game situations that you're going to see in a World Cup. And you might want to have a sergeant start a game where you want to press more or where you need to press more. You might go peppy in a game uh, where you're looking to play um, more possession. And then you might go DK in a game where uh, you're looking to have more of a counterattack strike kind of a kind of look. So, you know, I think that 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 plays out well. Um, but I'm going to edge it to Sargent, even though Dest, I, I just think there's more at stake for Sargent. So I think he's in a, I think he's in a more favorable situation sort of for the reverse of the Pepe thing. And granted, he and Pepe are in the same place. They're both in relegation battles. But I think that Sargent's got more to gain than Dest does right now. Dest is stuck at Barcelona, but he's locked into the U.S. Sargent's got a lot to prove, and he's got opportunities to do it. All right, last, last pairing. couple of MLS guys. So we're coming back home. We're bringing it back. Um, two guys recently on the move in MLS national team mainstays and guys who have both been vocal about the fact that they were looking for moves abroad and didn't get them because they were moved within MLS. And we'll see how long it takes us. I'll start the clock right now. We'll see how long it takes us to crap all over MLS transfer rules. All right, so we've got Paul Ariola who moved from DC United to FC Dallas for $2 million Monopoly dollars. And then we got Kellen Acosta, who was traded from Colorado to LAFC. Who's got a more favorable situation right now, Ariola or Acosta? Really? Truthfully? Neither. They both got... Uh hosed on this i was gonna say mls has the more favorable situations that they've got them both yeah, under contract yeah any chance anytime anytime you want to go overseas you want to get international they need to get out they need to go they need to play better competition um if i had to choose acosta moving into a place strong franchise i mean i'm saying dallas isn't but lafc big fan base they're gonna love them there ariel will be loved in dallas but it's Acosta, honestly, I could flip a coin almost. I, you know, I feel bad for both of them wanting to get out and still being in MLS. So, here's the really interesting thing with both of these guys: they're both 26. Ariola has experience abroad. Uh, he played for uh, Tijuana for Cholos. Uh, before going to DC United. So he's got that overseas experience already. He was 
potential he was linked with a move back to club america you know who are potentially going to talk with tijuana about waiving he's got a 50 percent sell-on clause right so they're talking about waiving that sell-on clause because club america and tijuana have kind of done business together before so there was talk that basically like they were going to be in cahoots to help promote a move for him to club america and then he gets traded with mls so he's got international experience. He's 26. He moves to Dallas, who was poor last year. They sold Ricardo Pepe. They've got a brand new coach this year. Um, kind of in ter- a team in turmoil. How does he fit in there? And then you've got Kellen Acosta, who played on uh, a Colorado Rapids team, who was the number one seed coming out of the Western Conference heading into the playoffs. He gets traded to LAFC, who now have Steve Chirundolo as their head coach because Bob Bradley left, also 26, looking to go abroad. And I just, I, I mean, I, I like the comparison of these two guys being in the same situation. I just feel for them. Like, they've both just gotten absolutely hosed. Fine, I put this on here just so I could crap on MLS. Like, MLS is screwing these guys. And the fact that the national team, that Greg Berhalter didn't make any phone calls to say, come on, get these guys moves to where they want to go, is just, to me, another indicator of how poorly coordinated U.S. soccer on the whole is. And these aren't guys that are going to make a huge difference for us one way or another, but it's just frustrating to see. And they, they both deserve moves abroad. And for a guy like Kellen Acosta, I think he needs a move at this point. He's not going to get a move anywhere worthwhile. um, If he waits much longer because he's 26, he's already passed, you know, the point at which he's going to be a prospect in Europe or a prospect overseas. Same thing with Ariola. Um, even though he's been abroad before, right? If he waits until his contract's up, who knows, you know, what he would be able to do as a free agent and to go out on the open market if people are going to want him, if teams are going to want him. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a now or never sort of thing. So, you know, who's got the more favorable situation right now is MLS owners who can trade guys like Monopoly money and property tiles, there's an analogy for you. And uh, boardwalk, little park place. Boardwalk. Yeah. I mean, they're not boardwalk. We're talking more like a couple of railroads here. But St. John's. They're, they're, they're good connection players. We're talking like B&O Railroad and what's another railroad in Monopoly? I forget. Reading Railroad? B&O and Reading Railroad, right? There are a couple, Reading. Of, there are a couple of railroads, right? Say Reading. 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 Fine. Reading Railroad. Reading Railroad, Redding. South Pennsylvania. Know your states. Fine. You're from Pennsylvania, so you would know. I'm from the West Coast. People yes. pronounce our my state Oregon, even though there's no A. They put Oregon. an extra they put an R in Washington. I like Brent Musburger, but hate that. Anyway. All right, let's move on. All right. I know you don't really want to talk about this because it's about cold, but we will anyway. Yeah. Well, so, we live in the cold, so I'm just yeah. tired of be- dealing with it in general right, right now. Yeah, but we can talk about it. That is, that is, we've got some, we got some winter feel, winter feelers, right? But so, 
obviously, and this gets us into kind of game previews as well, but and and I I find the reporting on this really fascinating that basically the decision to put these games where they were was based on where Canada decided to host the U.S.-Canada match. The fact that they were going to have it in Hamilton, uh, like the U.S. Federation decided to hold these two games in the Midwest to limit travel, um, which makes sense until you consider the fact that you're now going to have three qualifiers in potentially sub-zero temperature. Uh, So three games in the cold, you get a match in Cincinnati, and then you've got a match in St. Paul. Uh, at the end of January, early February, does it help or hurt the U.S. to schedule these games in conditions that are far from preferable if you're a player? It's going to be tough either way. Um, But it's going to be tough for both opponents is what I mean. It's going to be tough for both opponents. It's a a condition that it's, it's just going to be hard to play in. Um, the ball is going to be hard. Ground is going to be hard. Footing is going to be off. But the fact that we're playing Honduras and El Salvador, two teams that probably have very to very little to no experience, and we should have plenty of guys on our roster with you know snow, cold game experiences through college, through MLS, through wherever. El Salvador and Honduras are going to have a bunch of guys that have never seen snow. I would think. Um, so just the kind of shock factor, I, I, I'd be curious to know what kind of training those two teams are doing. If they're up here somewhere and where they are up here, if they're in Canada, if they're um, in the U.S. somewhere getting some training going on because there's going to be a little shock factor there. I was looking at the forecast uh, for St. Paul that uh, February 2nd, and it looks like it's going to be about 13 degrees with wind chills about zero. Um, yeah, that's going to be some harsh conditions for a soccer game. Um, so the fact that those those are the two teams we're playing in those conditions, I kind of like it. We owe them one. We're at home. Just nasty cold weather. The Canada game, you know, flip a coin. You know, they're going to be fairly used to it. We're going to be fairly used to it. How Burhalter handles starting lineups, substitutions with the cold weather, because it's going to affect players differently, will be big. Um, so am I worried about the the cold? Not necessarily. But for the players' sake, I just hope we, uh, we take the points and stay healthy. The thing that just boggles my mind around this is why would you take – two games against teams that are at the bottom of the oct who you are technically superior to arguably tactically superior to you know we went down in the first qualifier with a young team and played 0-0 to El Salvador and what essentially is their you know world cup final uh and then we go and beat Honduras away and in fairly comprehensive fashion, you know, I know we went down in that match, but in, in fairly comprehensive fashion, beat them. Like why even put yourself in a position where you can leave anything up to chance? And I don't think that scheduling these games in cold environments eliminates the chance that you're going to lose that. Like I would rather play both of these teams 
in Carson in warm, perfect weather or in St. Petersburg in 80s and, you know, a little bit of breeze and play them off the pitch because we've got a perfect field and we're at home. And fine, run the risk of a few Honduras fans or a few El Salvador fans, you know, being in the stadium. Then playing a game that's going to turn into lump ball because the ball's going to be frozen, the conditions are going to be suboptimal, and every time guys make big runs, you're worried about are they going to pull a hammy because their muscles are so tight. I just don't, I don't see the logic and I don't see like we've proven, if anything, we've proven over the first three rounds that we have a depth factor that other teams don't have. So play three different lineups. If you have to play two different lineups, if you have to, whatever. Right. But we've got to be like looking at the fixtures in that last round, we need nine points. We need seven points for sure. And that Canada game being a coin flip, like we can't afford to lose points. And if you're playing a game in sub-zero or you're playing a game with a windshield of zero, I mean, it's, we saw to, to look at, you know, look at the Green Bay game over the weekend, right? Look at the, uh, look at some of the, you know, look at some of those NFL playoff games, right? You see it all the time where, Guys are missing makeable field goals because conditions level the conditions playing field. level the playing field. So you've just created a situation where conditions have leveled the playing field, and now both teams are going to be playing. Oh, hey, we hope we get a free kick and it wins it for us. We hope we get a, a favorable, you know, break on a corner and we get a goal and it wins it for us. A goal will win either of those two games. Whereas if you play those games in favorable conditions. You're looking at even if you give one up, you can still go get three. And and it's not as though we have a defense that is impenetrable. I just it those are the things that really bug me. Is it's like we don't have to level the playing field against those teams. If it was Mexico and Panama, maybe it's a different conversation. But you're talking about the two bottom teams. In the oct, we have to have three points, and I think that they've removed the. You've removed some of the insurance. Like if you were going to put a percentage on it, you've lowered your percentage chance of winning by playing those games in cold environments, even if you're reducing travel. Obviously, I don't feel very strongly about it, although. I mean, as long as we win, and nobody right. gets hurt, and I and I'll sh- I will shut up if you know we take we take six points from those games. I'll have nothing to say about it. Fine, but we aren't there yet. We're trying to get to Qatar. I'll be happy to talk about it some more if we don't get all those points. Anyway, let's talk about these game previews. El Salvador. Thursday, the 27th, that is this as we record this coming Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Time, kickoff in Columbus, Ohio. What do you think? Can we get some Columbus Magic Restored, Dos Acero? Yeah, I think 2 nothing sounds about right. Um, the problem, the first time we played off Salvador, uh, we looked disjointed. Um, 
maybe a lack of urgency. It was an away game. Um, we didn't look very confident, lack of chemistry within each other. So I think all those things, maybe beside all those things should be different. Um, we should have urgency. We should have some chemistry now. We're starting to see the same guys come back to, to the roster. Um, they, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a game where teamwork is going to be important. Um, ball possession control. Um, I hope it's not a lump the ball around game. I hope we, I hope we tactically look how we're supposed to look. Um, I just looked at the forecast, 32 degrees. Uh, it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, it's going to be freezing. It's not going to be, it's not going to be horrendous. St. Paul is going to be worse. I promise you that. Uh, Columbus shouldn't be too bad. Um, I would love two nothing. I'll take one nothing. Uh, it's three points we need for sure. If the weather conditions make this a toss-up game or level the playing field and things get dicey and it's a one-one tie, because our goalkeeper slipped on a something they should have slipped on in, in regular conditions, um, then we're going to have to talk about it afterwards with our next uh, podcast, and you're going to not be happy. But uh, this is a game we should we should handle fine. A little chilly. It's funny, you know. I live in outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and when it's 32 here now, it's balmy. Like I can go out in shorts and feel comfortable because I've had so many days around zero and wind chills in the minus 20s. So if they're training right here, 32 is not going to be too bad. Yeah, I think this is the most favorable of the three environments they're going to play in, uh, and I think that you know, hopefully, we come out. I think that maybe we we mix the lineup a little bit. I actually would favor seeing like an Ariola playing in this game. I think that that we can go out and pressure El Salvador in this environment um, and go get some points. I'm I'm certainly more worried about Honduras and St. Paul than I am in El Salvador and Columbus. But um, you know, I I think that we need to uh, go out, take care of business. I'd like to see us take care of business. I think we do. And, and I think that you bring up the great point of, you know, the first time we played them, we didn't have the team chemistry. We were very disjointed. I think that at this point, you have to expect that there will be better chemistry. You have to expect that there will be more um, from the team than there was that first time around. So I think we get it taken care of. I could see 2-1, t- but, you know, let's get some magic. Let's have it be 2-0. Um, I think we're fine there. I also think the fact that, you know, El Salvador had had gone up, I think it was on Panama, wasn't it? The last uh, the last round early and then gave up too late. You know, I think I just think that there's going to be opportunities there. Um, I guess, again, at home, you know, they don't they won't have their home environment. Uh, I think that there's opportunities that are going to be there for us. And then the big one, Canada disrespecting the NFL scheduling a 2 p.m. start on conference championship weekend. I'll be watching this game though. Uh, I'll be watching both. I'll be watching both. I believe it's a Paramount plus game. If I remember looking at it correctly, uh, you know, if that's right or not. If it's oh, Paramount that's a great plus. question. Um, so if it's, as long, if it's yeah, Paramount it probably plus, I'll, is I'll watch it on the delay. computer, I'll watch football yeah. on my TV and I'll be okay. Um, yeah. The Canada game, Interesting game. Depend, you know, I feel like these three games are going to be dependent on what happens before, because of what we know is coming. The next three, the next group of three in a, in a month or so. Um, 
if we beat El Salvador and we beat them handily, I think we are okay with a zero zero tie in Canada or a one one tie. Um, a one nothing win would be would be great. Um, but I think how the game before goes is really going to play into kind of what we do here, especially with the weather conditions. I don't Hamilton. Who knows? I mean, that could be negative, whatever. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a feisty, tense game. Big points on the line. If we both win, which we should, um, the game before will be a point behind, knowing that a, a win would give us first place. Um, it's going to be one that we're really going to want. Um, it's going to go a long way to solidifying us making it into the, the World Cup finals. Um, tactically speaking, I hope we come out for it. I really do. I hope we come out and go get it. But I could definitely see us after taking a, a two, three points from El Salvador that we kind of play the counterattack in Canada. I hope not, but we'll see. You know, I think the and the interesting thing here is so Canada plays at Honduras on Thursday and then has to travel back for Sunday. That's very true. So, you know, I think that there's, I think that that could play a factor. I think the other thing that's a factor is uh, no Alfonso Davies. Um, I did Alfonso, not that. Alfonso Davies is out with injury. Uh, he's out for a number of weeks, so he's going to miss all three of these qualifiers. He was. Oh yeah, we he we was go jugular out. then. Um, so you know, I think you know Canada. Obviously, the first time we played, very well coached, uh, very well organized, um, defensively sound. You look at what they did to Mexico when Mexico came to Canada. Uh, and that was a crazy match, but you know, Canada looked really strong for a lot of it and then held on for the win. I, I think that the points are there for the taking and we certainly can't go looking for a draw away. Even if we win against El Salvador, I think we need to play all three of these games like they're winner go home because if we're looking for anything less than nine points, nine, nine points at this point puts us at 24 points. And that, it may not mathematically seal us, but it may very well make it so that we can clinch in our first match of the next round. I mean, you so, know as well as, as well as I know that we keep saying this, that points there, but all of a sudden we're talking about cold weather and leveling the playing field. Nine points sounds amazing, but. Oh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we have to freak happens, out or so. I'm not saying we're going to go get nine points. I just think regardless of what, ha- like we can't win against El Salvador and then go to Canada and say, Oh, well, a point is fine. No, you, like, but we you take a point. I will take a point, but you can't go and play. I know, I know. Right? But you hear, did you hear what I said? I said go for the jugular. Right. No, I don't Alfonso Davies. I mean, yeah. Let's go after him. Let's go take it to him. So Sunday, uh, that's a two p.m. Central Time, uh, January thirtieth. Uh, it is Paramount Plus. Obviously, the AFC Championship game at the same time, so it wouldn't be on CBS, but it will be on Paramount Plus. Uh, so you got to stream it. Contact us if you need to log in. Just kidding. Six bucks a month. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, plus, you get Champions League games. Paramount Plus. 
Plus, you get the Paw Patrol movie. Get, yeah, we should get Paramount Plus to sponsor us. That'd be great. Um, yeah. All right, and then wrapping up, a game that I will be at because I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Call me crazy, but uh, Honduras, Wednesday, the 2nd of February. I will be bundling up, getting my whiskey on, and heading to Allianz Field to watch the U.S. take on Honduras. I am jealous, more than you know. Um, However... When I'm sitting in the comfort of my warm house watching the game, I won't be as jealous, but I've, I've honestly never been to a qualifier and I'd love to go to a qualifier. And we actually had talks about a month and a half ago or a month ago when they announced where this was. And I texted you. You didn't even know. I saw it come up before you did. And I said, you better be going. And you said, question mark. And I said, it's in St. Paul. You need to be going. And you said, oh, and then I believe you did some research and realized you're, that you need to go. Um, I can't make it out that uh, that week. It's a rough week, so we'll be uh, I'll be expecting a pitcher. Um, I'll post pictures of the hand and foot warmers that I use up as I am at the game. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it, we'll put it on our Twitter account. Some pictures that you take. We can do a poll. Account. We can do a poll over under. If you so right now, I've got a. I've got a pint. If you don't live in the Twin Cities or you don't live somewhere where I will I will Venmo you money for a pint if you predict uh we'll we'll get a Twitter Twitter poll going on. If you predict the correct number, total number of hand and foot warmers that Nate uses at the USA Honduras match, I will buy you a pint. Excellent. Let's get that up there. I'm guessing don't tell me. Uh, as for the game, uh, it's going to be very, very cold. Um, hopefully it doesn't level the playing field. <clears throat> Once again, it's a game we need to win. You know, especially with the three games that are coming. Panama, Mexico, Costa Rica. All of which will be tough. Especially if Costa Rica goes nuts this uh, this three games. So this could be a massive, massive game. This game could go a very long way into us solidifying and be comfortable. We lose this game and maybe tie Canada and beat El Salvador and only take four points. There is going to be some sweating going on with those hand and feet warmers. I'll tell you that. Sweating going on after the hand and foot warmers. Um, Lots of Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I, I... Obviously, this is a game we need to win. I think that, you know, everybody, there's been talk here. There's been talk in the media. Oh, they can, you know, heat. And and having gone to see the USA-Mexico match at Allianz Field in the club level, uh, that was super fun. But I also got to see some of their, uh, you know, winter field maintenance techniques. So they do have, you know, similar to Green Bay, other you know, Midwest, super cold environments. Uh, they've got heating coils underneath the stadium. They've got grow lights that they put out. So the, you know, the field should be in pretty decent shape. Um, you know, how that actually generates, not, you know, not playing on a completely frozen tundra for the players, how that translates, uh, I think is up in the air. If 
the field plays reasonably well. And like, this is the first cold weather match that's going to be played here. So I don't know that anybody really knows for sure, but I think that's going to be an intriguing thing as a fan. I know I'm going to be frozen because there's not going to be any heaters for me, but other than what I bring, you want to hear a secret? What's that? Tape one of those warmers to the back of your neck. Okay. Right at the, right at the base of your, your, your skull and your spinal cord. Yeah. Put a tape, a hand warmer there, secure a hand warmer right there. Okay. Trust me. This comes from experience, dude. You know what I mean? Okay. I will do that. Do I have to tape it? Can I just like, however you can secure it. I don't care how you secure it. Okay. I mean, I'm planning to be pretty well wrapped up. So anyway, I will send you a scarf. I'll get you a scarf by the way. Yes. There you go. All right. So uh, predictions. We didn't do actually predictions for Canada. So we'll back up. Rewind. What's your prediction for Canada? Canada away. What do you got? Because of my survivor metaphor that I have coming, two to one, a substitute plays an important role. By the name of? I don't know yet. <laughs> my heart, Jordan Morris. To be named later. I would my love gut, to see that. Yeah. My gut, my gut says it's probably um, Aronson if he doesn't start. Okay. I mean, I I like that. I think I think there's going to be a winner, and I think it'll be two one, and I think it'll come late via uh, via some sort of set piece up there. Yeah, I don't know if the, the sub's going to be in on the goal. He's going to be an important part. He's going to draw a foul. He's going to make a run. He's going to cause something. Maybe an assist. Maybe a deflection. Maybe causes a corner kick. He's going to be the substitute's going to be part of it. Fresh legs. Yeah. All right. And then I'm going to go, you know, just the, the cold weather magic. I'm going to go Dos Acero, US at Home, Alliance. The crowd's going to be rocking. It's going to be a good atmosphere. I just hope they don't play Wonderwall when we win. Please no. Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go one nothing. Captain America. Christian Pulisic. Yeah, I think I think to to get us well, we're not there yet. All right, so what's at stake? Um, the really interesting thing here is so the U.S. and Canada play each other, but then they also play El Salvador and Honduras. This could be the opportunity for those two teams to take say say they each take seven points. That could be a significant separation between them and Mexico and Panama. I'm not saying a significant separation like qualification separation, but a significant separation like three to five points difference, like a full game's worth of difference heading into that last round. I think I think we could see some breathing room for these two teams, even if they draw each other. Uh, just given given what they've got coming up. I also think that 
you know, Canada's got some tough, you know, the tough travel coming up. Um, be interesting to see what happens with them. So uh, opponents. So Mexico plays Jamaica, Costa Rica, and Panama. Canada plays Honduras, the U.S., and El Salvador. And then Panama plays Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Mexico. I just really think it's going to be interesting to see what the table looks like after this round of fixtures, especially given that you've got this kind of cross two group stage thing again, like you had the very first round. I think the U.S. has got to look at you've got to take more points than these four teams, but they've also got to take more. Can they take more points given Mexico and Panama's matchups? Can they take more points than Mexico and Panama and create some breathing room? I think it's going to be imperative that we do that based on what's going to happen. The next three, our next three are tough and their three are not going to be as tough. Um, We need to, be like you said um three four points ahead that that full game ahead free of that fourth place by the end of this honestly looking at this we should be in first place canada doesn't have alfonso davies um did not know that but now that i know that the, the the travel um we should be in first place after this three games whether it be seven points nine points whatever um but we we should be in first place I agree. I, I think absolutely we've got to be in first place. Uh, we've got to be probably in first place by three. And depending on who's in second or third, you know, it'd be great to see. It'd be great to see us expand. If we could get seven and have Mexico or Panama only take like two or three points. And have a like five, five point five, gap. Okay. five five gets that, you that puts three ahead of them. That puts us three ahead. Five three games to go in some goodie. Pretty we good. take seven. If we, if we take seven and they take five, right? Yep. We're we're a point up on them, so that would give us that three point edge. If we take nine and they take five, that's a five point lead. That's almost that's a that's a tie and goal differential. We can tie one game, lose the other two, and. Goal differential puts us in the top three. And yeah, saying, gotta, right. But you've got a home game, right? You've got a home game. But if we have to go to Mexico, if things don't go well, we have to go to Mexico and, and secure a point or possibly win. Right. Ooh, you know, right. That's, right. that's a tall task. That's, yeah. They're not happy with us. We've been putting it on them. <laughs> so that will be an, a, a brutal game. Do I think we have more skill level? Yes. But let's let's just get our nine points. Let's, let's get our, our minimum of seven. Let's get our nine points. Sit in first place and be comfortable. Let's not sweat this. I mean, we're we're flirting with top ten in the world, and I know those FIFA power rankings are kind of goofy sometimes. But number ten in the world, or eleven in the world, or twelve in the world doesn't screw around with El Salvador and Honduras. Right. Take care of business. Right. Even Canada. A Canada without Alfonso Davies. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Go take care of it. Yep. Impact player. Imp- I'm ready. I'm ready for impact player. Do you ready? Just- He's in form. He's got to be our guy. All three games doesn't leave the pitch. Weston McKinney. He's got to control the midfield. He's got to be. He's got to be our guy. 
impact oh, MVP. Absolutely. And I think that the way these gun these games are going to play out, his style where he's willing to take teams on, make things happen, get himself up the pitch, get out wide if he needs to. He's he's willing to go wherever he needs to to make an impact. Uh, he's he's going to do it. But yeah, he, he, you know, far and away has the best form of anybody on this on this squad right now. Uh, if we're going to take those nine points, it's got to be from him. Uh, and, and yeah, he's, as far as I'm concerned, if you've got Pulisic, who's healthy, Tyler Adams, who's healthy, Weston McKinney, who's healthy, those three guys need to start every game with the expectation yes. they're going 90 and hopefully you get them 15 or 20 minutes off. Cause you're up two or three goals in a couple of those Absolutely. matches, especially, yep. especially El Salvador. The first one, you know, can we, can we stretch a lead where we can get those off and, and feel comfortable? Um, but yes, this is going to be a round where the stars have to shine for this stars and stripes team. All right. Survivor update. What do you got? All right. So 40 days is how long you're in the game of survivor. We're around low 30 somewhere. We've been sitting with this immunity idol. Okay. The immunity idol will save us in a, in a big situation in a tough situation. If we feel like we're about to be voted out, I think we take El Salvador. I think we're at Canada. I think we're down. I'm going to say we're tied. We're tied 1-1. We're tied 1-1, 65th minute, 70th minute, maybe 75th minute. Burr Halter has a sub or two left. If he goes offensive, he's playing his immunity idol. Okay? He's going for the win. All right? That means we're going for it. He's going to use a sub. He's going to put an offensive sub in, and we're going for it. If he plays a defensive sub and plays for the tie, we didn't play our idol and we are in jeopardy of being voted out. So I think it's very key that sub, and like I said, I think that sub is going to play an important role. I'm having faith that if we're in a 1-1 game in the 70th minute, we're looking to go very offensive and find that 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 go-ahead goal, and that would be the immunity idol. So there's my metaphor. Um, I think if we score that goal, and we get six points in the first two games, we're in the top four in our survivor, and we're going to be, you know, we're an immunity challenge away in a, a, a tribal council from playing for a million dollars. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, I don't because I never watched Survivor, but I'll, I'll agree with you. <laughs> All right. Well, time will tell. In a short week and some days from now, we will know whether – uh, the U.S. has made good use of its immunity idol, whether it has uh, taken the steps necessary to get closer to World Cup qualification and where they stand and what will be at stake in the last round of octagonal World Cup qualifying for CONCACAF for the 2022 World Cup. Hey, Joe, it is officially a World Cup year. Yes, it is. We are about the end of the day. We are in the World Cup year. We've got a long way to go. Eleven and a half months. I'm not counting though. Usually this usually be this time about this time that they'd be drawing groups. Next time we'll have in our review episode, we'll have to talk about ticket prices. Not that I'm planning to go to Qatar, but anyway. Plan on winning the lottery? 
Right? I I'll wish. Tell you what, if I win the lottery or if you win the lottery, we'll take each other. Okay. Well, one of us has to play the lottery or both of us sometime between now and then because I don't just... I just played Powerball. There you go. I didn't win. Although the winner came out of Green Bay. I don't know if you saw that. No. The Powerball winner came out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's exciting. Gas station about 45 minutes from me. God, when I saw that the next morning, I got so excited. I didn't have any numbers right. Such a rip. Anyway, I'm excited. Thursday. USA, baby. Let's get it. All right. He's Joe. I'm Nate. We are the American Pobigans. Now, we would like to thank our sponsor podcast, Pot on You Loons. These guys are great. They help us out with quite a few things, including being willing to broadcast our pod on their platform every now and again. So they're planning to pump this up. So if you're listening to American Pavigans via Pot on You Loons, we love those guys. We appreciate Thanks, them. Guys. Thank, Thank you. you. And to all of our listeners, we will catch you in a few short weeks post round four of the Oct. Have a good one. Thanks for listening.